the confession of that song is that we're not enough unless he shows up. That's the declaration. And for some of us, we're like, yep, that's where I'm at. I know it. Without Jesus, I'm not enough. For others, you're like, I don't know if that rings true. But, but, but what I believe is if we will humble ourselves and recognize that without Jesus, we've got nothing. Without Jesus, there's no miracles. Without Jesus, there's no life. Without Jesus, suffering will continue on. But with Jesus, with just a touch of Jesus, there's a chance that things can radically change in your life. Radically change, radically change. And so I, I wanna talk about that for a second. You feel free to have a seat. And, and, and I wanna talk about it from this angle that that my guess is there's some of you that are here right now, that, that you're in this room or maybe you're watching online and, and you would say, man, I need a touch of Jesus in my life right now. That, that if you were willing to admit it, to confess it, you would say, without Jesus, I'm nothing, so I can tell his presence is here and I need a touch of Jesus right now. There's others of you in the room and you're like, oh, I get that. And yeah, I want as much Jesus as I can possibly get. Your problem is, man, I know somebody else who desperately needs a touch of Jesus. And my guess is all of us can think of somebody that, that, that needs a touch of Jesus, needs Jesus to step in and to change a situation or a moment in their life. That, that maybe you today or maybe somebody you know today is like a lady I read about. Her name was Dorothy. And Dorothy was a college student, all right? Read about her years ago in one of my favorite books. It's a book called The Blessing. And uh, th there's this college girl named Dorothy, freshman at college, new at school, trying to figure it out. And she was in her first day of speech class. And, and you, you can imagine, there's a lot of you young adults, college students that are here, that you understand that first day at school, you understand just all the anxiety that comes with it, new environments. Well, she had a professor and the professor, he, he had taught there for years, he was well into his 60s. And his goal was to educate students and while educating students, also to give them a bit of Jesus. If you think about that, that should be the goal of every one of us who are in the workforce or in school that we should be, you know, if we're nursing, we should nurse to help people heal, but to also give them a bit of Jesus. If we're a, a, a fireman, it should be to help save people from the, the fire and to help them, but also to save people from fire and to help them. Like, like you can think about whatever career you are in and you're career choice or your position in life should be to help however you are doing your job, but also to give people Jesus. That's exactly what this professor believed was his calling in life. And, and so he lived that way. And it was his freshman year, or their freshman year, Dorothy's freshman year. And he started this speech class like, like he often starts this speech class, 
It's a speech class, so he wants to get people talking. So he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to introduce yourself. And then when you, once you introduce yourself, I want you to tell us one thing that you like about yourself and one thing that you do not like about yourself. Now, all of us can probably think of that. Like, like if I was to ask you that, you could probably think, well, there's something I like, there's something I don't really care about, all right? You know what I mean? Like, like I like being a ginger, five foot six, not necessarily a good thing, right? You know what I mean? Like, like I, could, I, could, I could go there. Well, he did that and around class, they all started you know, sharing it one by one and it came to Dorothy. She was sitting on the back row and she had her head down her hair just hanging over her face. And she was a ginger, bright red hair. And he said, excuse me, miss, what's your name? And, and tell us something you like and you don't like. And to that, she just threw her hair back. And she says this, my guess is it's obvious what I don't like about myself. And she pointed to her face. And what she revealed was a dark red birthmark that covered half of her face. Now you can imagine this professor in this moment, he's sitting there and, and like, how do you respond to that? And, and I believe in an act of the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke to him and said, do this. And, and he did something that would get a college professor in trouble, I'm sure today. But he looked right at her and he grabbed his hands and he grabbed her face and he just said, I want you to know that Jesus thinks you're beautiful and so do I. And then he leaned in and gave her a kiss right on her cheek, right on top of that birthmark. Again, we, we probably can't do that today, although we should and we need to and it's worth it. But when he did that, immediately she just started crying. Eventually she re reported to him. She said, no one has ever touched my birthmark, not even my mom. And no one has ever told me I'm beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> not about me right now though. That girl that day got a, got a touch of Jesus and it changed her life. Who in your life needs a touch of Jesus? Or maybe you need a touch of Jesus. And what I wanna do today is just in a real simple way is I wanna open up God's word. I wanna look at a story and I want us to see how we can get a touch of Jesus. And through a touch of Jesus, you can find hope. And through a touch of Jesus, those in your life who need hope can find a touch of hope. All we gotta do is practice what he did and what he preached, all right? So I wanna look at it. We're gonna to go to Mark chapter five. And in Mark chapter five, I, I've read from this book a lot. We read from it a lot. It's, a, it's what most people would call a gospel. It's found in the Bible. I often call it a biography because it's a guy named Mark who wrote down what he witnessed when he saw Jesus, when he followed Jesus. He wrote down what he witnessed and what, his, uh, what the other apostles witnessed. So here's the story and I'm, I'm just gonna walk through it. And, and as we walk through it over the next 20 minutes, we're gonna pull some things out of it that will help us give a touch of Jesus to somebody else or maybe even to yourself. All right, so here's what it reads. It says, Jesus got back in the boat again 
and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. All right, now, now Jairus, uh, he was a leader in their synagogue, which means church, okay? Like back then they called it a synagogue. Today we would call it church. He was a leader. Now, we don't know what kind of leader. I don't know if he was like an elder. We don't know if he was in charge. We just know he was some type of leader in the synagogue, all right? And then it goes on, it reads like this. It says, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. And Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Uh, so, so again, we've got Jairus that, that he goes to Jesus and when he goes to Jesus, he basically says, there is somebody in my life who needs a miracle right now. There is somebody in my life that needs a touch of hope right now. There's somebody in my life that needs your touch right now. That, that, that he goes to Jesus and he pleads his case. Again, I ask us this question, who in your life needs a touch of Jesus right now? Who, who in your world needs a miracle right now? Well, if you can think of one person, just one, well, chances are you could probably think of five. But, but, but my guess is everybody here can at least think of one person. And if there's one person that you know needs a touch of Jesus or a miracle in their life, a touch of hope, what do you do? Well, you follow Jairus' example. The first thing he did is he went to Jesus, is that we go to Jesus. And then when you get to Jesus, what you do is you ask Jesus to go to that person. Like if you notice, Jairus goes, he's like, Jesus, I'm here, I'm at your feet, I got a favor to ask, will you go to somebody else? That, that it's not me that needs you in my life right now. Like I desperately need you to step into my daughter's life right now. So who is it that you need to go to Jesus and ask Jesus to go to? Like, 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 who can you think of? You go, Jesus, I need you to go to them. Maybe it's a child. Maybe you're a parent here and you've got a child who is sick or is ill. Maybe you've got a child who's going through just some hardships right now, just, just dealing with junk in their life. Maybe you've got a, a child that, that, uh, has had something bad happen recently. Maybe you have a child who's maybe a little bit older and you would call them a wayward child, meaning that they used to have faith in Jesus, but, but recently they've lost their hope. They've lost their, their faith that they aren't practicing a relationship with Jesus right now. Maybe you would think about that child and say, Jesus, I, I desperately need you to go to them. I've talked and prayed with enough of y'all. I know that those are some real situations in your life. That you're like, Jesus, I need you to go to my child. Or maybe for you, it's, I need you to go to my parents. Maybe for you, you're like, Jesus, I need you to go to my dad because he's absent. Like you might be thinking about your dad being absent. Maybe he's truly absent, like, like he's not even involved in your life right now. And you're like, Jesus, I want you to go to him. Or maybe he lives under the same roof, but he's just absent. That he's just not a part of your life. Maybe what you need to do today is say, Jesus, will you go to my dad? Or maybe it's, Jesus, will you go to my mom? 
And maybe it's because your mom, the way that she's coping with life is with a bottle of wine every night. And that's just how she drowns out her world. And you're like, Jesus, I just need you to go to my mom. Or maybe you're young and you see your mom and dad and, and you see the, the writing on the wall and it looks like divorce is getting ready to happen. Maybe you just need to go, Jesus, my mom and my dad, man, they desperately need you to intervene. Jesus, will you go to them right now? And maybe you're, you're older and your parents are older and they're ailing. Maybe, maybe they've got a health crisis going on. You're like, Jesus, will you, will you go to my mom or my dad? And maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're married and you're just like, man, my husband, my wife, they, they desperately need some help right now. They need some intervention. Jesus, I need you to, to step into their life, to move in their life. My husband just lost his job. Jesus, will you just step into his life and help him to find a, a job that, that my wife is going through this difficulty? Will you just step into my spouse's life? Or, or maybe, maybe you're single and you're like, Jesus, I need you to find my spouse. Like, like Jesus, like, like I'm asking you to intervene into their life and I want you to go find that guy or find that gal and bring him to me. Or maybe you know their name, they just don't know you're their spouse yet, <laughs> right? And you're like, Jesus, I know their name, they just don't know yet. And I need you to go to them and intervene and send them my direction. When you know somebody who needs a miracle, needs a touch of Jesus, we follow Jairus' example and we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, will you go to them? Will you go to them? Because here's what I know about Jesus. He always goes. There's a promise in scripture that he will always go. He might do it on his timing, not your timing, but he will always go. We'll talk about that more next week. But he will always go because he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That he wants every person to be into a relationship with him. So when you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you go to that person? Well, Jesus is gonna go. The question is, will they listen? Let's go back to the story. It'll read like this. It says this. When he was still speaking to her, all right? Now, pause. That her, that's actually a different story. I'll get to that story in a second. There was kind of an interruption in the midst of this story. I'll get to that in a second, all right? But when, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them, and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and he asked, why is all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. To that, the crowd laughed at him. Which makes sense if you're the crowd. Like you go, no, she's dead. Like you don't understand, she's, she's died. But what Jesus does is he doesn't see a situation that is bleak and gone and dead. He sees a situation that he simply needs to interrupt because somebody's asleep. Which takes me back to, to those situations I brought up earlier. Are you looking at your marriage saying it's dead or does it just need an intervention of Jesus? 
Are, are you looking at, at your child and saying it's bleak or do they just need Jesus to step in? That, that too many times we, we look at our life situation and say, well, there, there's, there's no hope. There's no way that, 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 that it's all over, that there's no chance. Well, this, if anything, looks like there's no chance. But Jesus stepped in and said, nope, we're gonna do some work here. So when things look bleak, when things look hopeless, do you still have hope and do you still have faith that Jesus can move on behalf of somebody else? Let me go back to the story. It reads, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. Immediately walked around. That Jesus stepped into a situation and he grabbed this girl by the hand. He gave her a touch of Jesus. And through a touch of Jesus, he said, little girl, get up. Now, I often wonder how he said that. All we know is he just says, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. Like, was he, was he like, hey, little girl, get up. Well, she's 12, and y'all have had to wake up a 12-year-old every now and then. Like, like, maybe it's like, hey, get up. My guess was, though, it was more like a parent grabbing by the hand going, Hey, little girl, it's time to get up. You ever woken a child like that? And the next thing you know, their eyes open, they start to move around. I just picture in this moment, this 12-year-old girl, through a touch of Jesus, she heard what he said, and she got up. And guys, that's the secret of it. Like I said, this story gives us a perfect example of if you need somebody in your life to have a touch of Jesus, if there's somebody in your life who needs a miracle, needs a hope of Jesus, then just follow Jairus' example. Follow the example of the story. You go to Jesus, you ask Jesus to go to the girl, to go to the person, and then you pray. Catch this. Then you pray that they'll hear his voice, and get up and obey. That's the secret. Because you can't tell him to get up and obey. Well, like we can't do somebody else's part. Remember, our part, go to Jesus. Jesus' part, go to them. Their part, to listen and obey. And we can't have anybody in our life who needs a miracle. We can't make them listen and obey. But what we can do is pray that they will listen and obey. Pray that they will hear the voice of Jesus and get up and do what he says. That's what we need to be praying for. And here's the beautiful thing. The more you pray over and over and over, the more you say, Jesus, will you go to them? And Jesus, I pray that they will respond to your voice. Jesus, will you go to them? And I'm gonna ask and I'm gonna pray that they will hear you and that they'll do it. The more you pray that, it will also transform you. Because the more you pray that, next thing you know, you're gonna find yourself in a situation where you're with that person and you're like, I wonder if I should bring something up right now. 
Well, the more you've been praying about it, the more you're going to see the divine opportunities that God is like going to him and saying, hey, I want you to listen. And then maybe he uses you to speak into the situation. So if you have somebody in your life that needs a miracle, that needs a touch of Jesus, go to Jesus, ask Jesus to go to them and then pray that they will listen and respond. But here's an interesting question. What if it's you? that needs the miracle. Like, like so far, all I've been talking about is other people. So we're all off the hook kind of right now. But what if you're the one that needs the miracle? Well, here's the reality. The system, the, the steps are all the exact same. And we'll see that by the story that I mentioned earlier. The one that was kind of the interruption See, there was an interruption in the middle of the story, and it was by a lady who approached Jesus while he was heading to Jairus' house. Let's read her story. It says this. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But But she had gotten no better, in fact, She'd gotten worse. Now, now I got I to gotta speak into this, and I really don't want to explain this. I, I really need a female to get up here and explain this. <laughs> like, one of you ladies want to take over? No, thank you. Any of you ladies want to step into her situation and bleed for 12 straight years? No, thank you, right? And for those of you who haven't caught on yet, The lady was bleeding for 12 years, and it wasn't because she had a fingernail bleeding or an elbow bleeding that that she had, well, I'm going to leave it there. That, here's what I want you to catch. Think think about how difficult this would have been. You ladies get it, that, that, like, you would say, it's bad enough once a month. Imagine 12 straight years. No relief. 2,000 years ago, before they had invented feminine products, Midol, Advil, (laughs) and all of those things. There's the physical suffering. There's also the emotional suffering. What's wrong with me? What's going on in my body? That's emotion. But then there's the social suffering that also leads into emotional suffering. And here's what I mean by that. That back then, because of that, if you were bleeding in any way, all right, then you were unclean. You you were not allowed to go around people. So for 12 years, if she was going to practice the Jewish laws and the Jewish customs, it would have meant that she had to stay away from people. For 12 years. If she had a family, she had to stay away from her family for 12 years. If she had a husband, she had to stay away from her husband for 12 years. If she had kids, she had to stay away from her kids for 12 years. That she could not go around anybody because she would make them unclean. That she couldn't go to to church. She couldn't go to the synagogue because she'd make it unclean. So for 12 years, she basically lived in isolation. And she said, something's got to change. Something's got to give. Maybe you're like her. 
That you're like, man, there is something going on in my life right now, whether it is physical, whether it is emotional, whether it is social, that is causing you suffering. And you're just like, something's got to give because I got to find a fix. I got I to gotta figure this out. And maybe you're like her, you've spent everything you have on trying to find a cure. Well, that's what she did. Remember the story there? It said she, had pay, uh, she spent everything she had to pay them, the doctors, but she hadn't gotten any better. In fact, she'd only gotten worse. That she'd used all of her money, everything she had, trying to find a cure, trying to take care of this suffering. And my fear is, is that we've done the same thing, many of us. That we've tried to figure out how to handle this emotional or physical or psychological or social suffering that you might be walking through. And maybe it's like, I, I, like I got a physical issue, so I'm gonna go to the doctors and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but I haven't gotten any better. Maybe you've tried to self-medicate. Maybe you've self-medicated by, by going shopping or like, like I'll, I'll just deal with this by going shopping and, and I'll just find my joy. I'll find something just by going shopping. Like you and Target and Amazon are your best friends or Etsy and a couple other weird things. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's a bowl of ice cream every night. That's how I'll cope. Maybe it's the bottle of wine that, that that's what you'll hit every night. And that, that's how I cope. Maybe it's some prescription meds that, that and I want to be careful when I say that. I don't mean prescription meds in a proper use. I mean in an improper use. Not taking them the way that they've been prescribed, but in a way that it will help you cope differently. That, that, that maybe for you, it's like, I'm gonna get involved in these relationships and you know these relationships are, are not good, but, but maybe it'll mask, maybe it'll self-medicate. Maybe it's sexual experiences that they'll self-medicate. Maybe it's social media, I'll just in, involve myself in somebody else's life and, and I'll just keep scrolling thinking that's where I can, and you'll self-medicate. That, that we'll find all these other things, yet they'll never help us, we'll only get worse. So what do you do? I would say we do what the woman did. After 12 years, she said, let me, let me try Jesus. And through a touch of Jesus, everything changed. And I wanna challenge each and every one of us that maybe what we need to try today is just a touch of Jesus. Because through a touch of Jesus, everything in your life can radically change. That's what happened to her. Look at his story. She said this. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and she touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she'd been healed from this terrible condition, that she broke every rule, every Jewish law. She's like, I don't care that I'm not supposed to be around people. She went after Jesus. And I imagine she bumped into all kinds of people as she was trying to get there, but she's like, I've got to get to Jesus. And when she touched the cloak, his cloak, immediately life changed. And I keep reading it, it reads like this. Jesus realized at once that the healing power, now I love that word, the power, that, that in the Greek, the original language of the Bible, that, that word is dynamos. It's where we get the word dynamite from. 
That, that, that that's the type of power that came through Jesus and into her. That Jesus realized at once that the healing power, the healing dynamite had gone out from him. So he turned around to the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples looked at him and looked at the crowd pressing around him. How can you ask who touched But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her, on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And, and, and there's two things in those last verses there I, I want us to catch. One is that she came trembling in fear. And, and I love that, that she wasn't trembling in fear that she got caught. She wasn't trembling like, like oh, I'm so nervous about this. Trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. Meaning that she understood, wow, his power just came into my life like, like he is truly who he says he is because I am now walking proof of the miracle because I have felt his power in me. And she trembled because she recognized, wow, he truly is the son of God. He is the Holy One. He is the Messiah. And then Jesus looked at her and said, go on your way. Get up. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I want us to see how that works. That when you give Jesus a try, when you say, I'm gonna quit trying all these other things, I'm actually gonna try Jesus. Just a touch of Jesus can change your life. And you can ask people around you, they'll be proof of that. You don't have to look any further than our region ministry to see it, all right? Like there's several of you I know who are very active in our region ministry. If you don't know what region is, it's a discipleship program that we offer here on Tuesday nights. And it's discipleship based. It is Jesus, like come and connect with Jesus. And while you do that, walk through a 12-step process. And we see people all the time at region. When they come in, they're at the bottom of the barrel. They're at the end of the rope. They're at their wit's end. And they're saying, I've tried a bunch of stuff and nothing's working. I gotta try something else. We see the same thing happen at our J. Reuben Long ministry. Now, we haven't talked about J. Reuben for, for quite a while because we actually haven't been able to be in the jail since COVID hit. And we're still not able to be in there until the state gives approval. But once the state gives approval, we'll be right back in. But while we were there, the, what would happen all the time is people would come into our church services they're at the bottom of their barrel. They're, they're in jail. And they're saying, I gotta try something different. And guys, there is testimony after testimony after testimony about people who are at J. Rubin as part of our church who are now part of our church here in Conway or Aner as well because they found Christ while they were there and he changed their life. It changed their life. I wanna tell you one of those stories. It's a story about a guy named Robert. And Robert is a guy who, by his own testimony, he, he actually gave his testimony this past week at Regen. By his own testimony, he will tell you that, that bef before he went to J. Rubin, he was outside of Christ. That, that he was just 
gambling and lying and cheating his way around and just figuring out how to make it through life. Till one day he got busted and he got sent to Jay Rubin. And when he went to Jay Rubin, he, he went into one of our church services and he said, oh, it was good. I loved it. But I hadn't hit rock bottom yet because see, what I was doing outside of the jail was the same thing I was doing inside of the jail, cheating and gambling and lying and just making my way around. And that got me into even more trouble while I was in jail and he got me put in solitary confinement. And while I was in solitary confinement, this is his words, while he was in solitary confinement, it was just a, a small cell, cell. He wasn't allowed to have anything with him except for one hour a day. He could have a book. So he asked for the Bible. He said, I'm gonna give this Jesus a try. And in a solitary jail cell, no windows, no way out, but a way for Jesus to come in. That when Rob opened up the Bible, it's as if the power of Jesus came into his life. And he will tell you that I read a verse and, and the verse spoke to me and Jesus spoke to me and it made sense. And then I read another verse and it made sense. And then I read some more and these verses started making sense of this verse. And Jesus came into my life and he radically changed me. One little touch of Jesus changed Rob's life. And he got out of jail. He, he walked from J. Reuben to home. When he was at home, he knew like, like yeah, I got Jesus, but, but I still got a big, big hill to climb. I don't have a job. I don't have much. So he felt like the Holy Spirit told him, go walk downtown. He's like, I don't want to walk downtown. He's like, no, go walk downtown. And he started bargaining with Jesus saying, I don't want to. But Jesus like, no, you need to. So he walked downtown. And while he was walking downtown, he got several job offers while he was there. One of them he accepted, and it was a guy doing landscaping who was a follower of Christ. And that guy discipled Rob even more. At that same time, Rob got very involved here at church, got involved with Regen, and just continued to see his, his life increase and his walk with God increase. Now Robert owns his own landscaping business, and God is working in his life. From the jail cell to a deep relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you, a touch of Jesus can radically change your life, but it will require some things out of you. And what it requires is the same things that we're asking for other people. That with Jairus, he went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, will you go to my daughter? And when he went to his daughter, his daughter needed to hear the voice of Jesus and get up. So Jairus is praying for my little girl. Listen to him, listen to him, follow what he says. And if we want a miracle in our life, we have to do the same steps. We have to go to Jesus. And then we have to hear what he says. The woman went to Jesus. She got down on, his, on her knees. She heard what Jesus said. And then Jesus looked at this woman who for 12 years had been living in shame. And you know what he said to her? Get up, get up, raise your head. You are healed. Your suffering has ended, go in peace. And if you're here today and you need a miracle in your life, 
then I'm gonna say, let Jesus give you a touch of his power. Let Jesus come in. Let Jesus into your inner circle and then hear what he says and do it. For some of you, that means doing what Rob did and totally surrender your life and say, Jesus, I'm inviting you in. You have lordship over my life. And then to follow him. And you might need to pray about that. We've got prayer counselors that are gonna be over in the prayer counselor corner. We would love to pray with you about that. You might be here today and you might be, man, there's this issue I got going on. It's an illness or I've lost my job or I'm in debt or, or I need help or I'm looking for a spouse or whatever it might be. Whatever that need is in your life and you're just like, Jesus, I need you to step into this. Then I'm gonna invite you Step over to the prayer corner and pray with somebody about that. Step up to communion, which is on the right side and the left side of stage, and take communion and spend some time with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're just like, man, my parents desperately need a miracle. My roommate desperately needs a miracle. These people need a miracle in my life. Then I'm gonna invite you to step over to the prayer corner and let us pray with you. See, here's the beauty of the moment. Is this isn't just a sermon that we hear and then we leave. We get to practice what is preached right now. So let's go to Jesus. Let's stand up to our feet and let's go to Jesus. Let's come before him and let's ask him to move in our lives, to give us just a touch because he is the one, he is the only one that can truly bring a healing and can truly do a miracle. So let's go to him right now. We'd love to pray with you over in the prayer corner.